0: 99% of cloud permissions are overly permissive. We just start that, okay? And we think, okay, if I'm a hacker, what identities do I wanna be hacking? (laughs) And and that's exactly what hackers want. They want an identity that keeps on giving. And once they're on, it's all good. They're perfectly capable of doing privilege escalation. But if we're giving them over access in the beginning, then, then we're in trouble.
1: Mobile workforces, cloud applications, and digitalization are changing every aspect of the modern enterprise. And with radical transformation come new business risks. Welcome to Hybrid Identity Protection, the premier podcast for cybersecurity pros charged with defending hybrid identity environments. Presented by Semperis, the pioneers of identity-driven cyber resilience for the hybrid enterprise. And now, here's your host, 15-time Microsoft MVP and Active Directory security expert, Sean Duby. Hi, everybody,
2: and welcome to the HIP Podcast. Since, pretty much since IT began, help desk and system administrators have been creating accounts, setting permissions, and integrating application for users generally in a hurry. But no one ever rings up the help desk and says, right, I don't need access to this application anymore. Can you please remove me? Or the permissions on my enterprise app are too loose. Will you please restrict them so that I only have a least privilege? So what results is, of course, an overly permissioned IT infrastructure. I've certainly talked about that being one of the Achilles heels of Active Directory, configuration drift. Well, big surprise, uh, the same situation is happening in the cloud. So my guest today to talk about this is Garrett Grajak. Garrett is CEO of Uatest, an innovator in the identity governance and administration market which offers the first cloud-based API integrated IGA audit automation and reporting services for Okta's Identity Cloud and other resources. Garrett is a certified security engineer with almost 30 years of experience in information security. He's recognized in the industry as a security visionary in identity, access and authentication matters. He holds 8 patents involving X.509, mobile, SSO, federation, and multi-factor technologies. He was also, and this immediately caught my eye, founder and CTO and COO for SecureAuth Corporation. So Garrett's been around the block in identity. Welcome to the HIP Podcast, Garrett. Greetings, thanks for the uh, nice introduction. Oh, it's my pleasure, believe me. Before this recording, we were talking about cloud permissions and access control and much like on-premises, people want things created they want access to new shiny resources that are available in the cloud uh, and the challenges around that about you know issuing them but then what happens after that and what do the tools have to do after that do you want to talk about what you see in the environment for this i start with someone else's research there was a palo alto's unit 42
0: their hacker group stated this is a phenomenal number Said ninety nine percent of cloud permissions are overly permissive. We just start that, okay? And right. Like, okay. If I'm a hacker, what identities do I want to be hacking?
2: <laughs> right. Where? Yeah. You, you. You. The. The bank robber going where the money is. Right. Absolutely.
0: And. And, and that's exactly what hackers want. They want an identity that keeps on giving. And, and 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 once they're on, it's all good. They're they're perfectly capable of doing privilege escalation. But if we're giving them giving them over access in the beginning,
2: then then
0: we're in trouble.
2: Right. And this, you, do you believe that this is a factor of the tools or of the process?
0: Yeah, I, there's there's no question. I've used the analogy that I think the uh, the engines of today, the IAM, are the engines of today. The, uh, the braking system, the governance systems that we've had on Identity, uh, the IAM tools, is somewhere still around the drum brakes of the 1950s. It, it's just too difficult. And, and what I'm saying is the Identity systems are great. They're not good, guys. They're great. Okta is great. Jump Cloud is great. Azure AD is amazing. All these products are fantastic. And they have not only the ability to enforce their SSO, they also have provisioning. And they have great one, but one button click, now you're on. And your analogy to begin with, no one's ever called the help desk and said, yeah, I got too much permission, remove me off. Or, yeah, I'm actually switching groups, so make sure I'm off. That doesn't exist.
2: Right, exactly, and and I'll tell you, you know, because I have many, many years as an IT pro. That is certainly, or was not certainly, and I would venture to guess it's still not, uh, in their their mindset. It's all about getting it out. It's the governance and the the life cycle stuff is usually left to somebody else, right? Yeah,
0: and that's where it comes to down to the way we architect not just our infrastructure, but our organizations. The the bottom line is. I, you've worked in IT. I was I was on a help desk at one time. Help desk guys are like low guy in a tone pull. Some managers just start shouting. Blah blah. Amazing how that that user or that manager just got access to something, right? So where is the government's? Where is it built in that this this access was granted? It was approved by this and let alone when a change occurs, when the actual uh, uh, user goes to a different um, uh, organization or uh, is deleted completely. How, where is the process and the process is documented that say this user is now off. And that's, that's what is not designed in most of your IAM systems and not, and
2: certainly not used in the, in the IAM systems. So if it's not in the IAM systems, there there is no thought towards it. So they're generally separate auditing systems is what you're talking about? Today,
0: still in today, the way we see it is, is that I have an IT group and their job is to facilitate the ability of my users to have access. I don't care if they're internal, external partners or whatever, right? That's where we see it. Okay, I have empowered because... SOX tells me to or the SOC 2 tells me to, I do have a risk reviewer. And their job is to make sure that the compliance reports are completed and that I have some set of governance um, usually watered down to uh, once a year review the the actual changes and reviews. And that's that's unfortunately the state of affairs in most enterprises.
2: So to use your analogy, you have IT... Uh, on one side, that is has its foot on the gas, absolutely, and then you have uh, governance once a year that's trying to trying to hit the I think you said the drum brakes. Yeah, uh, once a year,
0: the squeaky yes dust filled du- uh, drum brakes trying to <laughs> slow down the uh, the t- twenty twenty three Corvette. And that's 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 the that's the mismatch we have in identities. And that's where that's where these permissions are so out of whack. They're so out of whack. And that's why the hackers, you know, they just do their uh, wonderful metasploits, et cetera, go across, found, find an ID and rock and roll. That is a lot more privilege than it should have. Thanks a lot. I'm off to the races.
2: So what is different then about clouds? So this is as I you know said earlier, this is a long standing problem just since the first person wanted a you know an, an account provision in mvs or 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 wherever pdp11 that's been around for a long time what's different about the cloud aspect of this I think, I think the clouds changed
0: everything once i started my career so much access was via the network and as i started my career in security as an rsa secure id uh engineer and you were granted uh vpn access with a secure ID two factor, rock and roll. That was really understandable from everyone why there might be a delay in the request to the access. I have to have VPN, that's physical. I then not have to get a security token, blah, blah, blah. Today, with everyone, everyone or their dog trained on either OneDrive or G Suite, everyone knows how to share their fifth grade students a report to the teacher. You're like, okay, just change the permissions. Go there and change the permissions. One button, rock and roll. That's that's what the world now expects in IT. And once again, there is no question, the IT tools are fantastic. G Suite, OneDrive is fantastic and sharing. You want it by groups, you want it by users, you want it by these groups or these users, rock and roll. It's capable of doing it. Where is the built-in governance that says, okay, when this this resource of this data, be it PHI or PII, is shared. This is triggered. These reviews have to be done. These are the reprovals. And this is the documentation and the comments on those changes. That does not exist. And that's why we have such a uh, such a mess. I,
2: I can see a personal analogy here. You know, I, I develop content on uh, my OneDrive for Business And then I want to share it with other people in the organization. And all you have to do is say, right-click, share. Here's the link. Go look at it. I never get something that says, Sean, you have these links that are currently available. Do you still need them all open? And everyone above third grade now,
0: thanks to COVID, knows how to do that through G Suite. Right,
2: right. Right.
0: And I'm not being facetious because that's how – and that's the mindset of the manager, of the user, saying it's a cloud resource, knock it off, right? I should have access, and this is all this. What isn't in in the systems is the, okay, uh, I've granted these, now let me uh, uh, review these. Where is the review? And there is – in stated policy, there is the concept of review. It's called uh, user access reviewers, UAR. Now – That's written by NIST, of course, under PRAC-4 and 853. Great that you should be reviewing. NIST is not an enforcement tool. It is a guidance. It's a framework. And then the individual uh, compliance measures, being anything from PCI DSS to HIPAA to uh, CMMC to SOC 2, said you should do the reviews. And they vary on how often. Mostly because they get watered down it's uh, one year. In the case of the CMMC, uh, it's uh, personal enforcement still. Right. Elective, yeah. You know, self enforcement. I'm sorry. Yes.
2: Is this problem exacerbated by the fact that these, these tools, you know, you have different service levels, different subscription levels that you can, you can set up and, uh, Often, the governance doesn't kick in until you pay more for it until you go to the higher service level. so Gosh, that's a really good point.
0: let alone, and I've talked to some of the other vendors who what mentioned they said, well, we have governance you, you write these scripts. You're like, okay <laughs> you, you just gave me the ability to have basically a you know a a, a one month trained person to give power to anything in the, in the in the in the world that you have access to, but to actually review it. I'm going to have to have a Python script. There's with two or three years of experience to actually begin coding, let alone QA and, and, and deploy it.
2: Right, right. It really, the built in products are much more powerful than that if you're willing to pay for them. Yeah. So, yeah. where does this play in incident response? Incident response. That I I love. We took it
0: there. Truth being told, I already built a tool that automates identity access reviews. Just automated. It's called continuous compliance. Now my customers have taken their once a year manual processes and now they're doing it literally every month. That's that's the way that it really needs to be done. Okay. Incident response. That really is what's got to be happening in 2023 and going before. Okay. Where we no longer just say, wow, okay, that was a hack. Uh, um, um, I, I saw that. I saw the zero day. said they uh, close this port and uh, apply this patch. Rock and roll. I'm done. All right. That same thing, the concept of user access reviews has to be an in- incident reviews where we quantify the problem. We automatically delegate, delegate the review to the key individuals. They put on comments, or enacted action, or delegate to someone else, and then it is, is the final decision is then documented for a review. And this is a way we can quantify not only the the, the responses, the zero-day responses, but our security systems. Incident response has to be done as thoroughly as identity responses and, the, and identity of governance. I think that is the the uh, uh, the sector of the of IT security that is still needs to be uh, uh, formulated, and, and and there is no question that under you know a a thorough SOX audit that is supposed to be documented. Okay, let me see your your uh, incidences. Let me see how I handle it, and that's now being done by most organization through a, you know, a a Byzantine uh, reporting system of, of emails and tickets, et cetera. Right. That's, that's not going to win.
2: Right. Yeah. So if you have governance in place, you'll be able to precisely pin down what happened when and how. Right. Right. Yes. Right. Okay. Makes sense. Um, We also talked about authentication, and the fact that where authentication is for most systems today is, okay, we decide whether or not to grant you a session token. And then we say, go knock yourself out. I'll, I'll talk to you in an hour when the session token expires and see if we, I choose to renew, refresh it or not.
0: Yeah, that, that opens up a real big door. Something that's a personal pet, uh, I want to say peeve, but a bewilderment. We as a community have done a real good job of, of training people the difference between authentication and authorization. There's and there are very few IT people that don't know the difference between the two. Go, great, I can get a strong authentication, and now I'm going to authorize them to get different resources. And we also, in the same thing, have done a decent job of training people on the concept of what? Of zero trust. The Zero trust says, hey, you know, we got to be suspicious of everyone we see. Okay. Where is the concept of combining those two? And what I mean by that is, once you're authenticated, you should be giving a zero trust score, okay? I was at this level, okay? And then that score should not, should not be static. Oh, he he authenticated, you know, pretty good. He, um, you know, the guy was able to fool the system, even though he's coming from Hawaii, uh, uh, China. He looked like he came from Long Beach, and that's his usual spot. Blah blah blah. No, it should be what was his activities afterwards, and what was his activities in that system in comparison to normal users, and then that should be somehow attached into a session ticket. Where as he moves along, we can keep on following that user. I, I, I see the right now, the most powerful thing in, in all of IT, I believe, because I'm biased, I'm an identity guy, is the session ticket. It's the most powerful thing we got because it means you authenticate once and now I can move around the system. And like I said, the guys, the Octas, the Jump Clouds, the, uh, um, the uh, Azure AD has in a great job. The session tickets are fantastic. I'm not sitting and telling you how, you know, they're all session tickets are hacked and up. No. Problem is, is they work and they're good. What a real question is, once they're in there, should I continually trust these session tickets and based on with no knowledge
2: of their previous activity?
0: And that's a flaw in the system, I think.
2: So, right. So it is not just uh, granting a session ticket is not the end of the story. It's part of the process. And right yeah. now that needs to pick up the rest of the story to do. I assume we're sort of, we're talking about behavioral ana- analytics.
0: I do believe, I believe the EUBA needs to be built into session tickets. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. And right now it's binary. It's, it's hey, you're good or no, you don't have it. He
0: looked good. He put on that mask in front of me and got through my front door. <laughs> is that a mapping to more where
2: you believe zero trust should go?
0: I think it is. I think it is. I think right now zero trust has been, and I'm not, Put them down because if that's, you know, what you got in your toolkit, that's where you wake up in the morning, that's what you sell, rock and roll. It's been uh, um, um, pretty much owned by the uh, people in the um, network space and says we're going to provide you network segmentation, et cetera. All right, rock and roll. Then not bad. I mean, that's, if that's, you know, set the nails you got, then use your hammer, right? Or the other way. Right. But let's face it, y'all, that's not where all the hacks are on today right? Hacks are up in the cloud and then the SaaS systems and et cetera. And those are not governed by network configurations. They're governed by session tickets.
2: Right, right. Well, Garrett, thank you. This was, you know, uh, not quite as long as we often do, but, but, but still super, super informative. I think a, certainly a takeaway for everybody listening to this is don't forget uh, you have the same governance issues. In the cloud as you do on prem, only it happens faster than it did. So, you can, so actually, yeah, you could, you could get yourself into a mess much more quickly in the cloud, which I suppose is one of the, certainly one of the maxims of the cloud. It's a great way to shoot yourself in a foot, in the foot, in a hurry, faster than you could on premises. Absolutely. Well, thanks again and appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
1: Thanks for joining us on the Hybrid Identity Protection Podcast with Sean Duby. Be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. Visit hipconf.com, that's H-I-P-C-O-N-F.com to learn about upcoming events, view expert presentations, and take part in the conversation. Thank you.